Today's guest is Eunice Pyun, the CEO and co-founder of Material, a company that celebrates home cooks and their desire for good-looking, high-performing products. They make gorgeous knives and cookware that can be found online and now on the shelves of West Elm and Anthropology. But only a few years ago, Eunice was working her way up in the retail industry with a successful career at some of the top brand names in New York City. But her passion for design mixed with a love for food and inspired by her Korean-American family background in restaurants, led her down a path to starting Material with her co-founder Dave. And this is after she already had her first kid. Eunice is now the mom to two young girls, a five-year-old and a one-year-old. I love how Eunice incorporates her eldest into the business and leads by example, showing her daughter that she doesn't have to conform to any societal norms or parental pressures, and that she can pursue whatever she has the passion to do in life. But I hope this also inspires you, Mama, to also pursue that passion in your life. If you go to sleep thinking about an idea and wake up thinking about that same idea, it might be a sign of something you were destined to pursue. So after you listen to the episode, you can head on over to materialkitchen.com and check out her beautiful and affordable high quality kitchenware. And as a listener, you can get 15% off your first purchase if you use the code Mommies on a Call. Now on to the episode. Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Hi, and welcome back to Mommies on a Call. I'm super excited to bring on Eunice Byun today. She is the CEO and co-founder of Material, and I can't wait to hear everything she has to share about her journey and just being a mom and launching this amazing company, by the way. It's pretty cool. So welcome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I wanted to start off by asking you, what is your biggest mom win of the week? And it can be a personal win, but just what is your biggest win of the week? Oh gosh, that's a very good question because I feel like as moms, sometimes we're so hard on ourselves. So to think about a win, I mean, let's see, probably getting my daughter to, this sounds so simple, but to figure out what she's going to wear for school and lay it out the night before, it just has helped tremendously. And, and you know, she, she does have a school uniform, so that definitely helps. But for some reason, I feel like every morning we're battling over if she's going to wear leggings or a tunic. And it's just, it takes up so much time, which I know sounds so crazy, but just having her, I think, start to, she's five. So having her start to do things herself and almost have a sense of responsibility and routine in taking care of herself and 
planning ahead. I think that's what we're really working on with her right now. So for her to like know to go do that the night before, I think was a huge win. And it definitely took one less thing off of um, off of my plate for the morning, which always helps. <laughs> that is being a very effective CEO slash mom. <laughs> so is she it's actually <laughs> doing this herself? Like she, or do you have to say, can you get your clothes out? Cause we have to do that. My son is five also. And to have him lay out his clothes for school, we're always like, okay, do it the night before. Can you do it? And this morning was a struggle for us. It's yeah, neon day because it's spirit week and we had a big fight over wearing neon. And so he ended up not doing it. But clothes are such, it's like five minutes of your time that just doesn't need to happen. <laughs> I know. And there's so much negotiation. And I don't know about your children, but I feel like we're always we're always making deals. It's always like, if I do this, then will you do that? And I'm just like, oh my goodness, you are five. Can you please just put on your leggings? We have to go. We got to go get the bus. But yeah, no, she, she's really, I think, especially since she became an older sister, she's taken, I think it to heart and has tried to the best of her abilities just to like be that older sister and, you know, be as helpful as possible. And she, she will go out and lay out her clothes like herself. We're still working on the backpack, like making sure that gets packed, but you know, it's these little things. I think it's the little things that we're trying to just instill in her at an early age that like, I hope pay off in spades that she just knows, you know, she can be responsible for herself no matter how young she is. That's a great win. And it empowers them too, to have control over something since we all know kids want control over everything. Everything. (laughs) Well, that's great. Tell me a little bit about your family structure. So how many kids you have, ages, and also, you know, does your husband work? What is kind of your dynamic? Yeah. So we have two girls. We have uh, our five-year-old and then a 10-month-old. And so we've got a little bit of an age gap between them, but that honestly has been an incredible thing and has really worked well for, for our family. I always like to say that the company was child number two, and that's kind of sandwiched in between my older daughter and my younger daughter. Um, and then my husband, he does work. And so we're both working parents. We're very fortunate to have help with the, the children at home, but you know we're far from our families. Neither of our families live in New York. They're actually both in California, where you are. So yeah, I mean it's just been it's been an interesting journey, I'd say, especially over the last few months, as I'm sure it's been for for everyone. Just being in this pandemic and trying to really figure out what is your family support system, what does that look like, and and what type of planning do you need to do in these types of instances where you just don't really know what tomorrow looks like. So it's been quite a journey, but you know, I feel like when you have a 10 month old, you're also very much like in the day to day, hour by hour, minute by minute. So we've, yeah, we've, we've made it through and you know, we're all, we also like each other. So I guess that's a good thing. (laughs) Did you take a maternity leave after you had your daughter? Oh, good question. So I had my daughter in December and I pretty much worked right up until delivery. And, you know, I think in, in, I didn't really take a maternity leave, but I think it was more also because of the season of just being the holidays and there was a natural, you know, Christmas and New Year's and, and we shut down the office always for the holiday during that exact time frame. I was always on 
emails and Slack and, and plugged in, but I will say that our team did an incredible job of just trying to like divert things away from me and, and make sure that they were moving the ball forward and just being super just on top of everything, which I so appreciated because, you know, I think especially when you are the founder of a company, you're just so intertwined with it. Like it's so hard to let go, but just in hearing from some of our team members that it was in that period of time that they really felt as though they grew professional and that they really understood what it took and how they were able to rise up to the challenge. I mean, I think that was honestly the best feedback that I got that even though I didn't take an official maternity leave just in, in not physically being in the office, I think really helped them step up to, to the occasion. Which is ironic because now none of us are really physically in an office. So it kind of trained them. It totally did. And it's just funny how the way, the way that the world works because I haven't physically been in an office since December and it's just made our remote team communication style. Like it was almost like we were practicing it well before COVID. So that transition was a lot more seamless. And so we were less afraid to let our team members go where they needed to go. Right. So some went back to their parents' place, wanted to be in another state. And I think that the time that we had really relying on digital communication, it actually let us feel more comfortable as founders to just say, hey, be where you feel safe and where you feel like you're going to be the most productive and, and don't worry about trying to physically be back in New York. There's, there's no rush. We'll take our time. And speaking of being physically in New York, you mentioned that you actually, during the beginning of the pandemic, went to San Diego back to get help from your parents. Pre-COVID, what did your situation in terms of childcare look like? And then during this, because your five-year-old, I assume, just started kindergarten, but wasn't yeah. probably, yeah, in a in elementary school yet. So what was your behind the scenes? So you and your husband are both working full-time. I mean, you're running a company, and we'll talk a little bit about the company you run, because by the way, I just saw it in West Elm, and I, I was oh. like, wait, <laughs> I know her. That's amazing. What did that kind of look like? I mean, you had a newborn and a five-year-old. How did you do that? Yeah, I'm. It, I mean, it was tough. I, I just, I feel like we're still, in some regards, I feel like we're all still in it as parents. Like we are all still in the thick of it because they're just life looks so different on a day to day now than it ever did before. But I'm not gonna lie, it was like a lot of texting some of my best girlfriends, being like, "Oh my god, I'm just not gonna make it through. Like this is so painful." But you know, we were, like you said, very fortunate to have. You know, we we have an amazing nanny who who we love and adore, and she was helping us up until New York like really shut down. And then once it shut down, you know, our number one priority was keeping her safe um, and making sure that we we figured out how to manage all the conference calls and the Zoom calls and all of that stuff amongst my husband and myself. So my daughter, she was in nursery school and she actually had Zoom, which like you would think that it helps to have a young child on Zoom, but it doesn't because they don't know how to do the controls. And God bless our school. Like they were did such a great job. I remember the first Zoom session was like showing them a picture of the mic and being like, you push this to mute it and then you you push it again to unmute. So like they just started teaching them these like 
crazy skills that you would not think that a five-year-old would pick up that quickly, but they completely do. And so we just took it, I'd say like step by step. So my daughter got a little bit more proficient in Zoom. I was constantly running back and forth. I feel like from nap time to nursing times to just scheduling calls where and however possible. And my husband and I at one point were like, okay, this is unsustainable. Like we just, we can't do this anymore. And so I think it was 8 p.m. at night, we called up my parents and said, hey, you know, do you want to take us in? Is it okay? Like, can we come hop on a plane and fly out there? And, you know, we made sure that we could properly quarantine and and make sure that we were all safe after traveling. And then we all just piled into my parents and it sounds scarier than it actually was. My husband was so incredible in just, you know, living with my parents, which I don't think he would have ever imagined uh, would have happened in the course of our marriage. And we just, we had an amazing time. Like after the girls would go down, we would just talk with my parents. And I feel like I learned more in those like five months about just my parents and their college years and their young adult years than I ever had before and hearing about, it was really interesting being with my parents who are Korean, hearing about, you know, what they went through as we were experiencing just George Floyd and, you know, all of these amazing, I think, protests that were happening across the country. And then having my dad talk about how when he was in high school and in college, the number of protests that he participated in, in South Korea, just as there was so much change happening in that country during that time of his life. And I had never known that. Like I had never known. I mean, my dad, that is probably the most gentle, like loving man, patient man that you would ever meet. And just to know that he was on the front lines of these protests when he was in high school and in college was, was just like a really special moment, I think, to be able to talk about and process all these things that were happening with my parents who are older and then translate and that down first to- First generation Korean? First generation, okay. yeah. And then translate that down to my five-year-old who's watching the news with us being like, what's happening? So it was a really special time. And, you know, yes, there were meltdowns, kids and adults, right? So like we all had like our, I think, breaking points. But I just, I really do look back so fondly on on those few months that we had to live with my parents and just just be in their presence. And I think it's great because they got to meet their new grandchild and to have those moments. I think at least for us, our kids became better friends, one, or just got into that. And then just to see grandparents, we lived with my parents for like nine months when we were doing a home remodel. And during that time, my son and my parents really bonded. And they now have this like special bond that I feel like wouldn't have happened had we had not been there. So that's pretty incredible to have that and have that support and to just get to learn more about your parents. I feel like they, especially Asian parents, shield a lot of stuff from us growing up. And then all of a sudden it all comes out and you're like, who are you? Like, I never knew this. I love that. That's just my favorite thing about hearing these stories that my parents have to tell of whether it's in Korea or when they immigrated to the US. They have such rich stories. And like you said, they're just, they they don't talk about it really often. But once you sit down and, you know, you actually hear the stories, you're just, my jaw is always on the ground, like with just how how strong they have been when they were younger than I was having, you know, babies and being in a totally new country where they, where they didn't even know how to speak the language, you know, uh, properly. And they ended up in Kansas of all places. So it was like, especially interesting to hear what that was like. But yeah, I mean, I, I just, I love hearing stories from the past. 
And now you also mentioned, I think I've heard before that your dad owned some restaurants down there and he was kind of the inspiration or got you into cooking and how this whole company came about. But your background, I mean, impressive Goldman Sachs to, you know, working in corporate for different retail e-com. Let's talk a little bit about launching this company and tell me a little bit about material so that the audience knows what it's all about, but then also to start a company after having a kid, when you have an established career, I mean, that's something that not a lot of moms take. Like they'll take a, ju- a jump to, you know, start an entrepreneurial venture that's maybe a little smaller, a little like maybe, you know, a consulting or coaching or something like that, or, you know, a service-based business. But to actually go in and say, we're going to start this product company Talk a little bit about the journey from corporate to motherhood to now where you are today. Sure. So as you said, my my parents, I'd say both of them were really, I think, huge inspirations for what material ultimately has become. And my co-founder, Dave, and I talk about this a lot because he's Vietnamese American and I'm Korean American. And I think we both grew up in these families and households where food was truly the, the shared love language, right? So how your your parents would maybe show love for you, maybe not verbally, but by making sure that you were always, I feel like, celebrating with great food and gathering around a table, different generations. And it was just something that was always, I think, very, very much a part of of my childhood. And my dad, you know, he did own some restaurants. And I think just being around the kitchen was something that was very natural to my sister and myself at a young age. And I almost feel like I lost touch with my interest in the kitchen and cooking just as I started to go into college. And it wasn't really until after graduating college, you kind of go through this phase where it's like you, you might go to all the restaurants and you're going out all the time. And then like, I don't know if it's your body, like something just stops and you're like, okay, like I'm tired. And now my friends should come over and we should cook and we should hang out. And it's just something that like clicks somewhere around in like your mid twenties where you're like, I crave intimacy more than I crave being out in like this really big open space, hanging out with these strangers. And so my friend Dave and I, you know, we've known each other for so long. We just started chatting about this weird moment that like this transitional period that happens and how we both started getting really into cooking, but recognizing that there wasn't really a brand or products that felt like they met the needs that we had because we wanted things that were high quality and would, would really work and last a lifetime and not just kind of break down or melt on you. But we also wanted things that had just better design. And I think so much in this category, you have to choose one or the other. So it's either really expensive and it's pretty to look at, but functionally it like is super hard or doesn't work, or it's super mass, really, really functional, but it's not inspired. You know, it doesn't look like something that you'd maybe proudly display on your countertop. And so we just started playing around with it because we both love design. And we said, how could we create something that brought the world of form and function together and really allowed us to start to tell the story about like, why do people love the kitchen? Why do people love to cook at home? And it wasn't, it had nothing to do with like, Top Chef or, you know, all these like food network, I don't know, just like master chefs teaching me how to do something. I was more interested in what recipes my friends were cooking and, oh my God, isn't that so tasty? And and there was something about like posting it and sharing it with one another that felt almost like 
you were cooking together. And there was just like a very, very different, I think, community aspect that we wanted to zero in on. So yeah, I mean, at the time I was in the beauty industry and I had just finished up kind of my first full year um, being there. And we were very fortunate. We started talking to a couple of venture investors and they're like, hey, we really like your guys' approach. We think you guys are onto something. You know, would you guys consider leaving your your day jobs to go work on this? And you know, I, I think at that time we had done a lot of work on our own because it was like a great creative outlet for both of us because Dave was in luxury fashion, I was in beauty, and we just thought it was like a fun little project to work on. And one of those like if only we could quit our day jobs and do this. And so when we had the opportunity to do so and start really building out what became material, we we kind of jumped at it. And it was a lot of conversations, quite honestly, even with my husband to say, like, is this the right time for us to do it? Does this make sense? You know, I had a young child at the time, creates a lot of instability just in like, even financially speaking, like, what does it look like to go from a corporate job to all of a sudden, like, where you're a basically- startup where yeah, you're <laughs> like bootstrapping, you're fundraising, you're doing that and product-based and direct-to-consumer also because you're a DTC company, it's tough and e-commerce. Were you in any stores at the time when you launched or were you primarily just online? Yeah, so we were primarily online and you know, our core focus remains our direct to consumer business. We have have been fortunate to partner with, you know, West Elm. We just launched an anthropology. So we are working with different types of partners, but I think our obsession is truly like that home cook connecting with those individuals on a direct basis. And you know, it's amazing. We've gotten to know some of our like very loyal customers in the two and a half years that we've been around. And it's just, I think they've enjoyed watching our journey and and being a part of it with us. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's been a hot second, but at the same time, like dog years, it's just been like forever in terms of how long we've been working on this. But yeah, we're just, we're so grateful for, for the business and the community that we've been able to build so far. So going over from being at, you were at Revlon in the beauty, you had a kid and then, you know, launching this, what do you think was like the key mindset shift that you had to move forward and make that jump? I know you said you had a lot of conversations with your husband and like, should we do this? What do you think for you was that like switch that you're like, yes, I can do it. And how did you kind of push through with having a kid at home and just going all in? I think there were two things. I mean, one thing was I would go to sleep thinking about material and wake up still thinking about material. It was just one of those like ideas that nagged me constantly. And I would be sitting and in thinking about, I don't know, we'd be in some maybe makeup or color cosmetics meeting. And I would start thinking about, oh my gosh, and that's how it kind of could relate to the kitchenware space. And like I said, it was just an obsession. Like I kept turning over these ideas in my head. And and I think I just realized that it's something that I didn't want to look back on in five years and be like, inevitably someone was going to be able to bring this to market. And I didn't want to look back on it in five years and be like, man, had I only 
that on myself and taken that risk, then I could have had that, right? So I didn't want to look back with regret. And the second thing is, you know, I, I was very much motivated by the fact that I had a daughter and I love being able to talk to her now, especially as she's older about what mommy does, you know, every day. And she, she gets it. She understands that I have a business and she loves seeing when we're testing new products at home. And she gives me her opinion on color all the time. And she says, mommy, I like this one. I don't like that one. And I think for me, it was, you know, a really important thing that, that my daughter, she connected to what it is that kind of in some regards takes me away from her on a day-to-day basis that takes up and occupies my mind space. I, I wanted her to be very aware of the business that I was building such that she could understand that when she's older, she can and should do whatever she wants to do, right? She doesn't have to conform to, to any, whether it's societal norms or pressure that your parents might be putting on you. We want her to do what she has a heart for, for and has a passion to, to go do. So I think it was leading by example and just making sure that if I couldn't do it, then how could I ask my daughter to do the same? It's, it's again, like I said, it's so much fun having her actually be a part of, of this journey with us. Does she cook with you? She does. She's obsessed with baking. And I have to say, I am I love to cook. I'm not a baker. I think there's a huge difference in people who love to bake versus like own cooks. And she just loves baking. So it's funny. My, my husband's an incredible cook and we just have started to bake more and more because she loves it so much. Do you make any baking products? Because I've seen like a lot of knives and cutting boards and like spatulas and things like that, but I haven't seen any baking goods. No, not quite yet. You should have a line inspired by her. <laughs> I know she would love that. Well, she would also want to do like YouTube cooking videos because she's obsessed with them as well. So she pretends sometimes that she has her own cooking show. But no, I mean, I think we would love to do something in the bakeware space. But yeah, for right now, it, we've just been really focused on some of the more everyday tools because we think utility and making sure that we're creating things that people will actually reach for every day is a, is a really important part to our, our value system. I know you mentioned in another article that you have what it's called an is it worth it threshold. And so I was wondering, once you started on this journey and you know you were starting to make products and you were starting to do this, was there ever a moment where you wanted to quit and you're like, is this actually worth it? I think I should just quit. Like I can't do this. Yeah. I, I think as an entrepreneur, you probably have those moments like every day, right? I'm sure you can relate, but it's just, you know, I, I think if you're not, you're probably not pushing yourself far enough on like the risk curve, right? So we are always trying to push ourselves to a place of some amount of discomfort, because if not, then we're probably not pushing ourselves to either get it done fast enough or, you know, innovate enough or whatever it looks like. But yeah, I mean, I just, I think, I, I don't know. I, I think as an entrepreneur, yeah, like you, you do encounter it on such a regular basis that it, it almost becomes expected. But I do recall, I mean, I think there was one moment in particular, and, and again, I think a lot of female entrepreneurs, especially if you do have children, can relate to this. Like I, my husband and I had to really talk about whether or not we were going to have another kid. And I think sometimes people forget that, yes, you can have a child now later than you could maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago, but it, it was still a really uncomfortable conversation to have and to really think like, is this business worth it if we maybe don't have another child? Like, is does it have to be mutually exclusive or can can I actually do both? And can we find a way to make it 
kind of work. And, you know, that's just an unfortunate thing. It, it, that's one of those, like, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, it does, it's difficult and it sucks sometimes to have to make those types of personal decisions. But the reality is, is that, you know, there is somewhat of like a clock in terms of if you're going to have another kid. So that was definitely, I think, one of the more challenging personal moments that we had to really work through. Have you seen a big shift between going from one to two kids? Because I mean, your business now has evolved, so it's a little more mature, but also now you just had 10 months ago, a new child. So how has that been the change from one to two kids while now running this company? I feel like it's just always chaotic and it always has been chaotic. You know, I, I will say I do love though having a baby in the house again. You know, once you get through the sleeping and the feeding and all those kind of like early things, there's something so I'd say beautiful about having like a young baby who just is so pure and just like laughs at anything and smiles and does these really cute baby things. And I think because we have a five-year-old who like definitely has found her voice and knows how to push all of our buttons, just being able to like snuggle up with the little baby is like such a sweet thing. And I also think like it takes the edge off of sometimes like rough days and it just goes back to such like a pure place. So even though it's been chaotic, like I just, I I love this moment too, because it's so special having like a little, you know, a little newborn still around. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's so cute. They're so cute. The other day, one of my friends just had a a baby and I was looking at pictures. I'm like, oh, I want a newborn again. Cause I mean, she's almost nine months. And I know she's still a baby, but like I see my five-year-old and then my very, very defiant, really strong female two-year-old who I'm like, I want those qualities in you later in life. But right now you're really driving me crazy to then just snuggle the baby. But now she's getting a personality and I'm like, like, I just want the newborn that sleeps and you can hold and just sneeze and smell. (laughs) Right. It's, it's like, it's like a little like medicine, right? Like you just like that, those snuggles are, there's nothing like it. (laughs) And I tend to make really chubby Asian babies. So even though mine are like hoppas, the thighs. And so I'm like, I just want those chunky thighs again. Don't grow up. (laughs) I know. I know. And I just love it. And the cheeks and oh, I mean, they're just, they're so freaking cute. I can't stand it. (laughs) Oh, Well, on that note, I was wondering, I know trying to find time though for yourself and all of this, besides the little like kid cuddles, do you have time for yourself? How do you make that happen? Or like, what do you leave messy in your life? And what do you, you know, try and try and do for yourself? Yeah. Well, I love that you asked it like that. Cause I think a lot of people don't focus on the fact that you do have to sometimes leave things messy and it can't always just be like, Oh, I have this like pristine time to myself and it's oh so glorious. You know, I I think for me, I I do try and do something like physical a couple of times a week, whether it's for me, like online, like workout classes or whatnot. Although I usually have like a kid trying to do it with me or climbing on me or something. But other than that, like, I think the moments that I still cherish are when my husband and I have put the girls to bed and we just sit down and we share in a meal together. And again, like, I think what makes my husband such an incredible partner besides, you know, being a great father is he also happens to be an amazing cook. So like when I'm putting the girls down, he is like whipping up, like usually like an incredible meal. And just to be able to sit and share it with him and just chat about like the girls days or just things that we've experienced on our own days. Like I think 
I'm an extrovert. So like, I don't need, I, I wouldn't want to be in my room, like reading a book type of thing. Like I want to be engaging with like someone. So my husband and his home cooked meals are probably like things that nourish me and feed me on like multiple levels. And so I look forward to it every night once those girls are asleep. I'm like, yes, bring it on. <laughs> like feed me, feed me, honey. <laughs> that sounds incredible. I feel like we, we now like rush to eat all together, but earlier and which is like a blessing because my husband was never really home for dinner before being, you know, when we weren't working from home, he was commuting and, and all of that. So I wish we had the nourishing foods right now. Not so much. <laughs> You know what? But you 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 do what works, right? And I think I, I think it's incredible that you guys are all having dinner together because those are a lot of ages too to be able to corral around a dinner table. Like, I, but I, I think it's incredible that you're able to do so. So back to leaving things messy. What do you leave messy then? Oh, yeah, I mean, okay. So what do I leave messy? I mean, I definitely I probably say like. I'm not picking up all the kids' toys like throughout the day. Like I just leave it because I know that no matter what, when my five-year-old comes home from school, like the whole place is going to become like a total zoo again. So I'm a huge believer in like during the day, just turn a blind eye to like what's happening around the house. And then at the end of the day, you know, especially with the five-year-old, having her help put things away and just making sure that we can start to tidy up. And then other than that, I mean, like my lunches, like they are super fast, right? So it's just a matter of like, I, I don't think I've sat down to eat lunch in like a long time. Dinners I will sit for, lunches, I kid you not, I'm like standing at the kitchen counter, just like I threw something together. I'm eating it as I'm typing, as I'm like on my phone. I'd say that's probably like, I'm leaving a huge mess behind because I'm just rushing to the next thing. Anything you outsource in your house? Oh gosh, Yes. I'm a huge believer. Again, this is where it goes back to delegation. Like I, I, like I'll, I totally believe in it. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, what do we delegate? I mean, we for sure have like, you know, a, a nanny who helps us throughout during the day. One of the biggest things and the best things we did was get my daughter on a bus, her school bus, like to and from school. Cause in New York, you know, we're right next to a train station and probably non COVID times, we would have just hopped onto a train, like took her up, gone into the office and, and just like made it all work. But when we figured out we could walk her over to a bus stop and like plop her on and then literally pick her up hours later, we took full advantage of that. And then other than that, I mean, it's kind of hard. Like, I, I wish I could say that I was doing a lot of like self-care and things like that, but it's just a totally different environment. So, but pre-COVID, yeah, I'm a huge believer in like feeling and making time for those like self-care pampering moments because we all need them. <laughs> Are you a morning person or an evening person? I have become a morning person, but I always say it's by virtue of the fact that my husband is not a morning person and one of us has to be in order to get um, the, the girls kind of ready. And I've definitely become that person that if you text me probably at 9.30 at night, I won't see it the next morning until like 5.30 in the morning. So I've become that person that I used to I used to rib a lot. <laughs> what does the first, say, like 20 minutes of your mornings look like? What time do you wake up and wake up before the kids? What does that look like? I do. And I feel like so many parents can relate to it. I feel like it's just, 
how quickly can I brush my teeth, wash my face, put my contacts and just like do these like self hygiene, like have these hygiene moments. And then I'm always making breakfast um, for my older daughter, like first and foremost, because then, I, you know, you have a schedule, like you have a very set way of doing things. I do that so that I can get her in front of the breakfast while I go get the baby. And then after my older daughter goes um, in and goes to the bus stop, it's actually great because then my husband and I have just some alone time with our younger daughter. And it's that hour kind of before our nanny comes that is, it's just so much fun because it's almost like we get to pour all of our energy um, onto the little one. And she, she loves it. I think she, she really enjoys it. So, so we definitely make good use of that hour together. Oh, that's great. So to wrap things up, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is your mom's superpower that makes you a better mom in business? So something you acquired once you became a mom that makes you better as either a CEO in business, whatever that might be. I think it is knowing that tomorrow is another day and that you can always hit the reset button. And it was something that my sister-in-law told me when we had our first daughter. And I think I was really frustrated with just not getting her to sleep or eat or whatever it was. And I remember her just saying, don't worry, Eunice, tomorrow's another day. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, yes, I can try again tomorrow. And then when we started the business, it was so transferable. And because you just never know what's happening in work. And there's so many highs and so many lows that can happen all within one day. And just knowing that tomorrow we have a chance to try again. We have a chance to do something maybe slightly differently. I think that knowledge has helped me release a lot of the control that I wanted to have over just like every single minute of every single day of my life and just acknowledge that, you know, tomorrow we can try again. Tomorrow we can slightly maybe alter the outcome. And I think that's that's helped me become a better entrepreneur. It's helped me for sure become a better mom because then I, I don't have to maybe like, be so hard on myself if something goes amiss. And it's something I've shared actually with a lot of other founders, just, you know, just to keep that perspective. Well, kind of answered the next question, but I'll see if you have a different answer for this one, which is what is your number one survival tip for working moms, entrepreneurs right now? Right now, be kind to yourself, right? Like I think we, especially as mothers, put so much pressure on ourselves to get it all done. And I think just being kind to yourself and allowing yourself those moments to be upset, to be angry, like let your, you're allowed to sit in your emotions. You don't just have to gloss over it and sweep it under the rug and and move on. Like, I just, I think that's something that, you know, my husband probably says I'm too good at because I'm always very um, clear with like how I'm feeling about a situation. But yeah, I think just be kind to yourself. And sometimes you don't even realize the inner dialogue that you're having with yourself. And so I think just checking in and making sure that you're you're not maybe being so hard on yourself without even realizing it. And I think just, yeah, having those moments of even checking in with friends who, who, who know you so well that they can hold a mirror up in front of you and just be like, hey, like it's okay. Like you're, you're doing great. Like just, just be okay. Like you're totally fine. I promise. So yeah, I just, it's, it's a, it's a funky time. Right. And I just think that like, we just need to be a lot gentler with ourselves. That's beautiful. So where can we find you online? Yeah. So uh, if you want to learn more about material, we're at materialkitchen.com. And that's also our Instagram handle. And then if you want to follow and and see my five-year-old pretend to do her little cooking videos or 
learn to do a cartwheel. I think I'm probably posting about the kids more than anything else. It's just Eunice H. Bion on Instagram. Well, thank you. And I look forward to seeing more that you do and more that you create. I love the material kitchen stuff. So I'm going to have to buy myself a set of knives because again, <laughs> I, you're totally right. Like I have knives, but they're ugly. They're not, they're utility, but they're not pretty. And I, right. I love the idea of having nice, pretty, but also functional. So yes, thank you for sharing all that insight today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time. 